Welcome to the Mix Masters Podcast, a program created by me, Steve Litcher, live sound engineer for the band Stitched Up Heart. I created this podcast during the COVID pandemic as a means to keep in contact with my friends and mentors from the live sound industry. Touring with Stitched Up Heart has led me to meet some really incredible people, and I wanted to introduce you to their stories. So whether you're an experienced engineer, a hobbyist, or someone who's just wondered what goes into mixing a live music show, this podcast is for you. I've got to thank my friend Merritt Goodwin for this killer intro music. Merritt is the lead guitarist for Stitched Up Heart, and he's an incredible musician and composer. Give him a shout on Facebook at Merritt Goodwin, or on Instagram at Doubt the Trust. Thanks again for joining me. Now let's bring up the faders and start the podcast. My very special guests for this bonus episode is the gang from Stitched Up Heart. Based in Los Angeles, California, Stitched Up Heart is an alt-metal band whose members include Mixie Demner, Merritt Goodwin, Randy Mathias, and Jamie Decker. Mixie founded the band in 2010 and has been growing the brand ever since. Stitched Up Heart has three record releases under their belt, an EP called Skeleton Key from 2014, Never Alone from 2016, and their recently released Darkness album, which dropped in 2020. This group of musicians are talented, caring, fun, and truly genuine people. With more than 180,000 followers on Facebook alone, they have an incredibly strong connection with their fans and tour as much as, if not more than, any other band out there. I was extremely fortunate to get hooked up with Stitched Up Heart earlier last year, and they've literally changed my life. It is an honor to work with them and a pleasure to spend time with them. I've had the privilege of getting to know them while touring. I've heard about their experiences, and their stories are epic. I hope that someday they'll each write one of their own books. This episode diverts from my normal format of featuring live sound engineers, but I think you'll appreciate learning more about everyone in the band, and I hope you'll enjoy a few of the many stories that they have to share. I should note, we did have a couple of logistical challenges while recording this episode. Mixie, Merritt, and Randy were in their rehearsal space from Los Angeles, Decker was helping his parents in Pennsylvania, and I was in Madison, Wisconsin. We did our best to incorporate everyone into the episode, but there are definitely a few stutter steps along the way. Regardless, it's a great episode, and I hope you'll enjoy every minute of it. So now I present to you my friends, Stitched Up Heart. All right, welcome everybody to Mixmasters Podcast. I'm joined today by my friends and cohorts, Stitched Up Heart. Everyone, thanks for uh, joining this Skype room, and uh, thanks in advance for talking to me about touring and all of the fun stuff that takes place uh, in the life of a professional musician. It's great to have you guys. What's up, Steve? Hey. Steven, yeah. The man, yeah. the myth. Anything you ever need, we are there, man. We love you. Except for money. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, do you have a checkbook handy? <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, we're not allowed to have one of those. Yeah, we're a band. We yeah. aren't allowed to have money. <laughs> Oh, uh, we'll we'll talk about that uh, in all the the fun and the hard work that goes into what you guys do. Um, but I've been uh, doing this podcast series. I started it during the pandemic, obviously, and been talking to a lot of live sound engineers. But I wanted to take a little bit of a diversion and talk to uh, you about your individual stories. What got you involved in music? What do you love about it? Um, you know, did you always see yourselves as being rock and roll musicians and being up on the stage in front of thousands of people, you know, in studios. So um, 
let's start off down that one one question at a time man come on (laughs) (laughs) we'll start off with that uh so so decker uh have you always been a musical person what got you interested in music and uh did you see yourself doing this when you first got started yeah when i was uh you know really little i would always hear my parents and brother and sisters playing music um but then i saw a friend of mine playing drums when i was like five and he had been playing since he was basically born because his dad was in this band. And I was like, that's what I want to do. And I think shortly after that, I saw a Motley Crue video on MTV. And I was like, that guy, that's who I want to be, Tommy Lee. And so I I never looked back from that. I always thought, you know what, I'm going to be a performing musician. I wanted to be Tommy Lee, but that role was already taken by this guy named Tommy Lee. So I had to be Decker instead. Um, but my, uh, you know, I was lucky enough to ha- have had a lot of great teachers over the years. Uh, you know, and I, I had private lessons. I played in civic orchestras and drum corps and high school bands. And, uh, I went to Berkeley college of music. And then at, when I left Boston, that's when I moved to LA and finally met that blue haired girl over there. And, uh, we started doing this thing called stitched up heart. And, uh, you know, we've been doing our our best to try to spread the word in our, our music and our art. And um, I've, I've always wanted to do this and I've never looked back. That's great. Um, we'll talk about that meeting in a little bit, but I want to jump over and ask Randy the same question. Randy, did you, uh, when did you get involved and interested in music and did you, did you see yourself doing this? Did you have a plan B or what, what was your thought when you uh, got started? Um, well, when I first got started, uh, it's like always was a dream of mine to be a musician when I was growing up, when I was a little kid, um, I had this, uh, this na- these neighbors and it was like, a I there was like seven kids and they were all like musicians. And then, um, we were like a couple, me and my little sister were a couple years younger than them. But, uh, I remember, uh, one of them, he, they were, they were mainly like R and B artists is what they were, but one of them, uh, ended up being like really successful and, and, and had a couple of hits. Uh, and I remember, recall this and I remember the whole neighborhood like, Oh yeah, do you hear what Ronnie did here? Ronnie. And I was like, wow, I couldn't believe it's like somebody from our neighborhood had actually blown up. And then as I, you know, I was like, just seeing, being very inspired by him, uh, year, that's kind of like really what I wanted to do. And then years later I started getting more into like, you know, like when I got a little older, started getting into bands like Molly crew and, 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 uh, you know, you know, like Metallica, and and I was like, "What? Wow, that's really that's really what I want to go do." You know, and then so um, then eventually I moved out here to Hollywood, and I met these fine folks right here. And the rest is history. <laughs> the rest is history. All right, let's jump over to Merritt. Uh, Merritt, similar question: Where have you always been musically inclined? Uh, have you know? Did you always know you wanted to play guitar? How did you uh, get interested? And in, did you see yourself being a a rock star when you were younger? Um, well, so I started off playing music, uh, when I was like, I had to be like five or six or something, but my mom basically forced my sister and I to play piano for at least a year. So I played piano and I hated it. And, uh, and then a few years went, went by and then I was in like elementary school, um, orchestra and I played trumpet and, and that was pretty cool, but it, while I was taking piano lessons, I would always look at the guitars and they just looked cool. I didn't know what they were or what, what they did. I just knew that they looked cool. And I remember telling my 
my mom and dad that I didn't want to play piano, but I wanted to play the guitar. And then they were like, well, no, you have to learn to play piano first before you go and learn to play the guitar. So I was like, all right. So years go by, and then I start getting into, like, the music at the time being, like, you know, like Corn and Limp Biscuit and that kind of stuff. And, uh, and I started hearing this rock music, and I saw this video of Third Eye Blind, and their guitarist looked so cool. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's that instrument from way back when. And then it like snapped in my head and I was like, oh, I can play guitar now. And so I just went out and started playing guitar. Then it wasn't, you know, at first it wasn't like I had these like huge dreams of being like, oh, I'm going to be a rock star or anything. But it was just kind of like I just got kept getting inspired by bands like Metallica and all this. And then the more I dove into it, the more I just wanted that to be my life. And then it obviously it became like, first it was like the band life and it was like okay i want to like be in a band and i want to be like kirk hammett and i want to like do that kind of thing and so that was sort of like my goal and then i got into college and then um just through learning to play guitar i got really into classical music and music theory and all that so like in college i got way more into just classical music and and then that turned into film music and like soundtracks. And so it started off as more of this rock, but then it just sort of expanded. And then I moved out here to Los Angeles. And then I was kind of in, in this road of like, well, what do I want to do? Do I want to like still go down this band path or do I want to do more of like a composition thing? And I just started meeting all these really cool people and they were all in like these bands. And then I just got, the right place at the right time pretty much and i just you know met mixie and then like randy and i met before we were even in the band together and then like i met decker and then just being around the people i just kind of fell into the situation um but I'm, i mean it's not to say that it just happened you know like there was a lot of hard work and a lot of stresses and a lot of things like that you have to give up and all that but at the end of the day you know, it's all music, so it's all worth it. Um, and that's just kind of where it all kind of led up to. Uh, fantastic. Mixie, how about you? I'll make mine short and simple. Um, my mom told me recently that when I was three, uh, she said, what are you going to be when you grow up? And I said, I'm going to be a rock star. <laughs> I don't remember any of that. I think I was watching a lot of Gem and the Holograms at the time. Um you see Weren't my, you in that movie? What? Weren't you in that movie? Gem and the Holograms? Yeah. It's I thought you were going to be in a movie. No. But anyway, so, um, yeah. Uh, I remember playing the recorder in elementary school and really loving that class. And in middle school, I wanted to join band class, and I saw the tuba, and I thought that was the coolest thing. I was just drawn to music somehow. Um, so I played the tuba for three years. And then when I got into high school, I didn't want to carry that sousaphone like in on Friday night football games at the new high school when I was already a big dork. <laughs> so I put the tuba down and I picked up a guitar my freshman year of high school. Uh, it was inspired by a boyfriend at the time who was in this emo band, emo core or whatever called Sincerely Yours. 
and they would like practice all the time. And I would go and play their instruments when they were like out on lunch break or something. Um, they were all straight edge. So they were getting, you know, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, you know, so I would like play their instruments when they were gone. I'm like, I really want a guitar. So I got my first guitar. I asked my dad for my birthday, 15 years old, um, and guitar lessons. And then I just started writing and stuff on the guitar myself. And I couldn't play in front of people though. Like it took me years and years and years and lots of songs that I wrote, but I just was so scared to play in front of anyone. I didn't really think of it as like, this is my career. Like I thought of it as this is something I just love to do. Um, and I just, I know that part of doing this, I have to play in front of people, (laughs) so they need to hear the song. So I'm just gonna, I would force myself three nights a week to open mic nights. Um, and I remember shaking, like, like horribly nervous. And, um, I just kept forcing myself to do it. And eventually those nerves, I still get a little jitters and anxious before a show because I'm excited. And like, I just, you know, uh, if you don't feel anything, I believe that, you know, you don't care enough, but, um, but I definitely didn't realize until after I got out of high school that that I wanted to do music, but my parents didn't want me to go to college at full sale, uh, because it was like 60 grand and they were like, no, (laughs) I got a scholarship to a different college. So I just got a television degree (laughs) because they said there was no music program, but then I find out there was. But anyway, so now I have a TV degree with no reason. And um, as I was in college, when I was doing these open mic nights, this guy came in. He's like, I thought you were going to move to Los Angeles. You're right. I'm moving. Three months later, packed up my stuff, moved across the country, decided, all right, let's see what happens. And I ended up homeless for a good year. Um, Thought I was going to keep this short and sweet, but I guess it's a little longer than that. But It's all good. uh, Yeah good year uh homeless and then eventually i was in like this all-girl punk band where i played guitar and sang and um and then that didn't work out filled in for some other bands and uh almost went back to florida and gave up on it all until ditched up the heart back up and decided to put this band together and here we are can you talk uh decker or mixie a little bit about how you guys met and um how that sort of spawned <laughs> this uh, going on, what, 10-year relationship now where you guys have been friends and playing together? Well, we were good friends for like a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> Those are behind us. No, no. We uh, we met on, I mean, Mixie, you can tell your side of the story after this, but basically I got hired to, um, my friend was the uh, a personal assistant to the president of Geffen Records at the time, Ron Fair. And she was at a meeting with him and they were like, we need a drummer for this video uh, for this girl, uh, Mixie. And, and then so my friend Buffy was like, oh, well, my friend Decker's a drummer. And he's like, let me see his picture. So she showed it to him. He's like, he's hired. Send him in. You know, his name even can't just like I looked enough the part, you know. So I show up to this soundstage. Uh, in Hollywood, and Mixie had just gotten back from like riding a roller coaster on Santa Monica Pier or something. It was from this for this video shoot that she did uh, because she won a reality show that everybody should watch. She's so proud of it. It's awesome. <laughs> What's the <laughs> name of the show? Too. I'm not even going to say the name of this stuff. People can just look it up. 
because that's how great it is. But um, no, it was awesome. So that's how we met. And yeah, she's been tolerating me ever since. Uh, I'm not still sure why, but um, I'm eternally grateful for it. And I think we've we've built a great friendship uh, based on it. And she's like my sister and I love her. So. Aw. Yeah, I think it's like sometimes you like love your family to death, but you also hate them all the time. <laughs> no, we. I think that there's people in your life that like these guys that just you realize that they're going to be there forever. And I don't think anybody's going anywhere. <laughs> I mean, really throw throw any group of people in a bus for, you know, two, three months straight. They're all going to want to strangle each other. But I mean, the reality <laughs> of it is, I mean, we all we have our ups and our downs, you know, and a lot of times we do get frustrated with each other on tour. But like, it's like when the tour ends, like the next day, I fucking miss them to death. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. It takes me like a month. Oh, I miss you guys. We're, we're, all these, we're all these schmucks, dude. Can, can I just come over and have dinner tonight at least or something? Uh, Decker, I think we stepped on you. What were you saying there? Oh, I, I said, uh, but on the way back from like the last day of tour, everybody's like speeding to, can we get to our house for, I want to be dropped off first. No, I want to be dropped off first. Like, <laughs> get out of this bus. <laughs> yeah, there's. I think we got a new thing happening now. We're just gonna, everyone's gonna get picked up at Mixie's house. Yep. Yeah, you're yeah. Getting my house. Getting a new house, Mixie. Correct. It's not closed yet, so let's not jinx it. All right, we won't. Uh, should know by next week. All right. Well, good luck. I hope. I hope all of that turns out well. Thanks. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> So, um, you know, Randy mentioning being on a bus, uh, you know, for two or three months and you're ready to strangle each other. Um, my very first, <laughs> uh, North American touring experience was with you guys and you graciously welcomed me into your lives and, um, into the band. And I really am unbelievably thankful for that. I thought the whole tour was awesome. I didn't ever detect one, one little spat, one little, you know, problem or anything, how do you guys accomplish that? Like, how how is it that we, we, every minute we, we, was so we, great? We we had a meeting before you showed up. Uh, <laughs> just just pretend that we're nice to each other yeah. while Steve is here, so he sticks around. Yeah, we need this guy. Don't piss him off. Decker. Well, see, what happened? <laughs> no, see, what happened was I agreed to be the scapegoat for everything. So that way, whenever anybody's mad about whatever, they can just throw it on me, and I I have tough skin, so I can deal with it. Yeah, we can't pick on anyone else but you. Yeah, which is fine. Do it all because you want. Because we, we all take it personally, but you don't care. Nope. <laughs> I did not pick up on any of that, so I'm either uh, wonderfully oblivious, or um, you guys are really good at uh, fooling people. Well, no, because there, there, I mean, you, go ahead. Because I kept you so uh, entertained. I, I do want to go ahead, Mixie. Oh, sorry. <laughs> There's a lot of us trying to talk, but um, the way to keep me happy on the road is keep me fed, clean, and have sleep. And, and, and in the back room. And away from you all. <laughs> we did we did have to quarantine Mixie for a little bit before it was cool to quarantine. Uh, she developed strep throat uh, partway through the tour, and... Man, you still pulled it off every single night. So I think that that really talks to your tenacity and dedication to, you know, the performance and the band and the music. And that was uh, that was some scary stuff because I think you you went in in Madison, Wisconsin, where I'm from, 
And then somewhere in the middle of nowhere in Nebraska, we found an ER and found out you had strep. Yeah, the first uh, hospital that we were at just had so many people in there. They were just like, wait your turn. And it was the only day we had off. So um, I don't know why, but for some reason I got really sick on the days off. At least it was those days. Uh, But they didn't detect anything. They just gave me steroids. And that seemed to work for like a couple days. And then that next day off, (laughs) the next day off, I I couldn't sleep. My whole neck was just poofed up. And I was like, something is wrong. And um, finally, she swabbed my throat because I wasn't running a fever or anything. She's like, oh, yeah, you have strep. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) something's wrong. She, she she was on steroids and she was throwing every like the mic stand and, and guitar amps and throwing it all around. Interroid rage. She, she just on. came in. She came in during sound check and like just bitch slapped everyone. But Mixie, doesn't your shirt say something about quarantining before it was cool? I was social distancing before it was cool. True story. Yeah, those and those shirts are fantastic. It was a super wonderful gesture to um, offer those up for sale and then donate money to music cares or I can't, I think it was music cares foundation. So thank you for doing that. Uh, I think that helped out a lot of people. So that's cool. Yeah, I know they do a ton of stuff. They've helped us a million times. And, um, so far we sent five seventy five, and then I got to add up what the next, um, check to them will be. But yeah, I mean, it's not a ton of money, but it's something every little bit helps. Can you guys talk about what goes into planning a tour? So, um, you know, on this last run that that you did, uh, you headlined the first half of the tour, then met up with Steel Panther. Uh, I think, Decker, you you uh, do a lot of the, the tour managing and, and planning, but um, as a whole, what goes into planning a tour like that? How, what, are you, uh, what are you looking for? What are some of the gotchas? And what are some of the things you've learned over the years of, of touring? Because I think um, there's a million good old touring stories. And I'd like to touch on a couple of those, uh, at some point, if you guys don't mind, but, uh, I'd like to talk about that first subject first. Yeah. I, I could talk for like two hours about this, but I'll try to keep it short. Mixie and I used to book and plan all of the tours. We were the booking agents before we got signed to the label and we got our booking. Agents. So what goes into planning a tour is really up to the booking agents and our management now. Uh, They decide where we go and with who. I mean, we have a little bit of input with that. We can tell them who we want to tour with and what festivals we want to do. But ultimately, it's up to them where they put us. Uh, Once we're told where where to go and when, then it's up to us to make it happen. So as far as the planning, like what we do now as a band is we have to make sure that we have transportation for it, which we have an RV that we rent and we have a trailer that we use to haul our gear. And, um, you know, so we have to make sure that all that is taken care of. And Randy and Mixie usually kind of take care of the RV thing or whatever. Um, and then, you know, we have to make sure that we have all of our, uh, stuff ready for the live show, which is a lot of what merit does with like the backing tracks. And, um, you know, we try to get like a light show involved with that or as much as we can, whatever production stuff that we have, and we try to add a little bit something different every time that, uh, you know, there's a lot of obviously practicing involved for the touring. And then what I do as the tour manager is it's up to me to contact all the venues or promoters or whoever it is and let them know that we're coming and see what they need from us and tell them what we have and what we expect from them. 
and also kind of, you know, tell them that Randy wants a squatty potty in every <laughs> um, that night. And um, you know, so so I do like all of that's called advancing for those who are watching or listening that don't know this. Uh, so I advance all of the shows and then I put everything in a schedule so that everybody else can, you know, find out it's called master tour so that nobody asks me all the time what uh, time we have to load in, which is one of my little pet peeves is they all, although we still, we ask them about five times each a day. Hey, 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 what time to show tonight? Yeah. Yeah. They do it anyways. But, um, (laughs) so so I, I try to like plan everything out once we're given the information of what the tour is and where we're going. And then, uh, you know, the day we leave, then it all is just kind of like floating, you know, flying by the, the seat of our pants after that. We do as much preparation as we can, but uh, as much as preparations A through G are planned out, usually it's preparation H that we need to resort to. Oh, where is my rim shot? I need, I need like a sound effect button that I can hit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Thanks, Mixie. Um, so with touring, um, there's been some crazy stories uh, that you guys have shared with me. Um but uh, before we get into some of those, Decker, what's the one thing that you have to have on tour to uh, keep you happy? Like, what what do you what do you need on tour to to be happy? Alone time. Alone time. How about you, Randy? Not the squatty, squatty potty. potty. <laughs> no, I, I mean I really like my alone time too. You know, like laying up there in the bunk and just having my phone and internet a lot of times because the majority of time I'm just laying in the bunk especially when we're driving like five, six, seven, eight hours, you know, I'm sitting up there the whole time, just reading stuff on my cell phone or something. Um, Merritt, how about you? Uh, Kind of alone time, I guess. Just like I like to read and stuff. I like to uh, drink a lot of juice. That's always fun. So Books and juice, I guess. That's so lame. <laughs> we all really like to go on tour, but we, we don't want to be with any of us on the road. Well, no, we all want to be alone on the road. <laughs> they, every tour starts off the same way. It's like, you know, we all, we're all right, we're, we're all in the RV. We're all ready to go. We're all talking. And, you know, and the, the, the conversation lasts between two to three hours. And by the end of like the second and a half, two and a half hours, it's like a little less and then a little less. And then slowly one person goes to his bunk and then slowly somebody else goes to his bunk and then before you know it everyone's in their bunk and like that's it now we don't see each other until the stuff you know what i'm saying until we get to the venue we have to start working getting all our stuff ready for, for me um i would say monster energy and baby wipes oh all right interesting combination <laughs> in that order <laughs> yeah that order because i have to wipe my butt later Oh my God! <laughs> With me alone, time is just that I need time to miss you guys. You know, I don't mind the time we spend together. Distance makes the heart I grow fond. Don't all be up in each other's business twenty four seven. That's all. Yeah, understandable. Um, so you guys have done a lot of touring. Um, a lot of it was uh, pretty hard touring the the van and trailer type of stuff, and you know, sharing a hotel room. And then uh, we, we spent six months in that damn van, six months straight without coming home. <laughs> yeah. You loved every minute of it. <laughs> All right. Maybe I did. <laughs> it's 
got to be challenging to get alone time in the van in a van like that. I imagine. There are blankets. <laughs> well, yeah, like everybody in our own bunks, we kind of like. I mean, you can't fully be alone, but you kind of—I don't know. You have I your think own. All room. of us. Dorian uh, just used a blanket. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think all of us in our own bunks like had sex with people, but we're actually driving the van down the street. Not it. I know. I did. I'm. Uh... Speak for yourself, Randy. <laughs> so this is. He's speaking for me too. <laughs> for who? Speaking for Decker too. <laughs> the double bench shuffle. No, it's a pipe dream now, dude. I can't ever do it now. Well, you know, there's always a. Uh, <laughs> All right, we'll we'll change gears here real quickly. So, um, Decker, one of the favorite, one of my favorite stories you you shared uh, while we were on tour, I think it was like three in the morning, and I was crying listening listening to you tell this story. Can you tell about the most adventurous uh, audition you ever had uh, before you were in Stitched Up Heart? Oh, this was uh, when I auditioned for the band Cage Nine. <laughs> So, as Randy loves to say, back in the back cage, in the cage nine days. Back, back in the London after midnight days. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I had my drums at a rehearsal space for this other band, Venison, who I was playing with at the time. And Cage Nine rehearses across Los Angeles, which is a gigantic city. Um, I think it was something like 12 miles away. And so, and I didn't have a car. So I had to pack up my drums and take them down the stairs from the Venison rehearsal space and walk them two and a half blocks to the first bus stop where I, and I had to carry, it was like six things. So I was like, I would carry two things at one time, go back 50 feet, carry two things another time, go back 50 feet, carry two things up. And I went like halfway up a block and halfway up a block that way so that people couldn't like steal my shit. And then I got to the, to the first bus stop and I got on the bus with my whole drum kit the same way. And people were looking at me like I was out, like out of my mind. They're like, what the hell is going on with this guy? And I had to take three different buses. So I had to get off the first bus, carry the drum kit across the street to get on the second bus, carry the drum kit across that. Well, that was kitty corner to get on the third bus, which dropped me off about a block and a half from the other rehearsal studio where I had to walk over a bridge with the drum kit 20 feet at a time taking two pieces and two pieces to get to their rehearsal uh which we used to rehearse at stitch up heart rehearsed there at downtown studios downtown rehearsal in la on 7th street remember yeah we shared it with london after midnight randy <laughs> oh yeah that's right we did it was one of those uh that stories i never heard that story before but it sounds like one of those like that your grandpa's telling you the story <laughs> of how he used to take, I had yeah. to care back. You think this is hard. Yeah, but the end of it is they were on the fourth floor and the freight elevator was not working that day. So even <laughs> after that, I still had to carry everything up four flights of stairs to get into their room. Well, wait, wait. Did you got the gig. I got the gig. Sweet. Uh. He gets there and they're like, uh, dude, the auditions were last week. What took you so long to get yeah. here? <laughs> You lost yeah. 10 pounds on the way to your audition. I definitely did, yeah. <laughs> but that's the story of your life. That that story kind of sums up your life in, in and yeah. all. Yeah, it's determination. 
you know, and just there's there's tribulations on the way, but I'm committed. <laughs> That's a great word. I I I notice that everybody in the band is determined and dedicated. Um, and one of the things I really admired was uh, how grateful everybody was. So before shows, the huddle and saying what you're grateful for. Um, where does the dedication come from? Like where what you know what drives you to continue to do this? You know night after night, day after day, fighting all the time, you know, to, to, to get the message out. Um, you guys work so hard. You're on social media when you're not playing, you're, you know, working social media, doing interviews, uh, you know, busting butts to get to the next venue. Um, you know, how do you stay, how do you say, stay so motivated, uh, you know, months on the road at a time, like what's the secret? Mix, do you want to start? We'll go backwards. Man, uh, I think the only thing that keeps us all going is our love for music. I think we just care about it so much that all the stuff that we have to go through just to make it happen is worth it. Yeah. Anybody else want to chime in? Yeah, I think that it's just like, really, there's nothing else I really want to do. And I really, you know, it is... There's ups and downs out on the road, but you know, overall, if 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 I had to choose every day between not being on tour and being on tour with these guys, I would choose a hundred percent with these guys on tour. Aww. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, I I I'd say just the motivation, just like uh, the love of music. Um, it's like, I mean, obviously we can do other things, but when it all comes down to it, I think it's just the type of personality that we have where like for me, I could go and I could do something else, but even if I'm doing something else, I'm not going to focus on that. I'm not going to want to do that. I'm going to be thinking about music. So why not just go in that direction in every single career that there is, it's not going to be so easy. Like if you go to be a lawyer, you have to like pass the bar a million times. And then there's those things, a, a doctor, you know, it's like, like music is just one thing that's really, really difficult, but it's like all the other types of jobs. Like if you really, really want to excel in something, you just have to have goals and you have to have a good reason, like, like, like a good why, like, it's not just, I just want to play music. Because then as soon as you get to the first bump, you're just going to quit. So it's like, why do you want to play music? What's the real reason? Like, we all have different, like, philosophies as to where we want to be and what we want to achieve in our life. Um, that's, like, the short of it. <laughs> and uh, for me, to touch on what Merritt said, like, yeah, we can, we all have, like, other things we could do. Mixie has her TV degree. You know, Randy's probably good at something else, too. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I love to cook and and I could be like a sommelier, a wine expert. But I've, you know, as I said earlier, I've always wanted to be a, a performing musician since I was like a little kid. And I've played in like a ton of different rock bands, probably like almost 100 of them. But what I was always looking for was a combination of dedication and hard work that I've found with this band specifically stitched apart and also music that I really enjoy and connect to. Like I love our music 
and I love everybody in the band. And that's why this band has been the one that I've been most dedicated to. Like I quit, I think I was in like 13 or 14 other bands when we kind of first started this. And I quit all the rest of them to to focus just on this one. And so for me, it's the music and it's you people right there. That's one of the things that I find to be really hard is finding people that are on the same page as you and that have the same drive as you and just say like, I don't give a fuck about anything else. I just want to put this band first and I want to push it as fucking hard as I possibly can. And to find people that are like-minded like that is nearly next to impossible. Yeah, that's well said. I, um, I, I'll chime in. Um, I hate to answer my own question, but when Merritt said, you know, no matter what you're doing, you, if you're not doing music, you're always thinking about it or, or whatever. And I find myself, you know, sitting here while we're not on tour, it's all I'm thinking about is, you know, how can we improve something? How can we do something on the next tour? How can we make things go a little more quickly, uh, you know, uh, with setup or tear down or make something sound a little better. So I think, uh, we're all cut from the same cloth somehow. All right. I love you, Steve. <laughs> Thank we you. We do love you, Steve. Did we you guys do. have? We miss you. You had a Steve, meeting. Steve, next time I see you, I will give you the rusty trombone. <laughs> uh, he's gonna, he's gonna keep you to that. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> it's like the Texas Roadhouse. Oh yeah. The rusty so he's trombone. gonna give you a blowjob with butter. No, it's actually a little. He's a rusty trombone. Do you know what that is? No, what is it? It might give well, Randy the Urban Dictionary. Yeah, All we'll, right, we'll let people look that one up. We don't have to explain. Look, look it up. Right. <laughs> um, uh, real quickly, uh, I'd like to know what's one favorite touring memory um, over the years from each of you. So let's uh, let's mix up the order a little bit here. We'll go uh, merit first. What's what's a favorite? tour memory in all of the tours that you've done what's what's been something that really stands out to you oh man i don't know there's it, it's really hard to tell because every tour is so different and there's been so many good memories on each tour so like like i could say like the typical thing like when we were out with godsmack it was like walking out on stage in a crazy arena full of all these people. That's like, you know, like when we were in the last show, it was like in Quebec city. Like that was insane. Like that's something that, you know, a lot of people dream of that only a small percentage could ever really experience. So that's really cool. But then it's like, but then there's like with steel Panther where the pretty much every show was like, at least for me, it was like really, really awesome. It was like, like we we went up there and we did our thing, and we still played to like really good crowds. But like the sound was really good because we got a really good sound guy. <laughs> um, That's but, used. Like, but as a band, like we all felt like really, really tight and and all this stuff. And that was probably like the best tour for me. But the entire experience, just to be able to like go up every night on stage and like i guess feel comfortable with how everything was like regardless of where we were or what stage like knowing that like the things that would always like worry me like like when i get nervous to go up on stage it's not whether i'm gonna mess up or miss a note it's whether like 
my ears are going to go out or if a monitor blows or, you know, stuff like that. So to be able to actually go up on stage and play and live in the moment and know that you have good sound and know that everybody is just on it, like that whole experience itself is like, it, it was, was absolutely amazing. Cool. Randy, I'm going to put you on the spot next. Uh, any favorite memories from uh, any of the tours? There's so many. I mean, there's there's countless amounts. And what, the first one that comes to my mind, though, was uh, um, there's one time we were playing this festival in, I think it's called Brownsfield, Texas, or something like that. <laughs> and and uh, it was like this biker rally. And anyways, it was this really old bell on the back of the building. And uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I went up and I was like, oh, look at this cool bell. And I rang the bell and all these wasps flew out and like one stung me. And I was like, oh, God damn it. What the hell? It was like a nest of them inside of it. And, and so uh, I, I find the backstage area, which is not too far away from the bell. And uh, about 30 minutes go by, and our guitar player uh, at the time, Nick, which I miss Nick very much, man. He was a really good dude. Um, but anyways, he calls, and he's like, hey, Randy, how do I get backstage? And I was like, dude, do you see that bell on the back of the building? You got to ring that bell, dude. <laughs> as soon as I said that, I mean, I was going to say, I'm just joking, don't ring the bell. But he happened to be standing right by the bell. As soon as he rang it, I heard, ah! <laughs> <laughs> I'm, no, crying. I'm crying on the side of the microphone and then he dropped his dr pepper. oh yeah he got his hand stung and he dropped he dro uh, dropped his dr pepper on the floor <laughs> oh man uh mixy let's go to you since you're in the same room as those guys uh i think i i always go back to shiprock to the first shiprock we ever did it's like cruise ship and uh, just all rock bands and we played the main deck in the middle of the day and I just remember just being so like moved by the ocean literally like seeing it in the background with the people and and just I love being able to play outside with like this with no you know confined rooms or walls or ceilings and being in the middle of the ocean like it was just really amazing yeah, it sounds powerful. Uh, Decker, how about you? Um, I, a little bit of what everybody said. Like with Randy, I enjoy the more mischie mischievous moments sometimes, like maybe when I almost got us kicked off a tour one time or <laughs> maybe when uh, I've been caught on camera doing scandalous things. Or <laughs> there was a time Mixie punched me in the face. That was good. Um, <laughs> But um, I agree with Mix. I was going to say Shiprock, too. Um, that whole experience of, like, being there with those, just, just like, not only the guys who run the thing but and all the bands who were there, but also the people who were there, the fans. It's just such an amazing experience. And, um, I mean, just, you know, any time that I'm performing on stage with these guys, those are my favorite memories. Like, yeah, we have all these, like, funny other things that happen in between or sometimes boring stuff like a 15 hour drive or whatever you know or every midwest gas station we stop at 2 a.m who asks us if we're a rock band and then tell us that they have never heard of us it's just like 
you know? Oh, you're a band? Never heard of you. Exactly, you know, but it, what it all comes to favorite memories is definitely all the times when we're on stage and we're playing and like, it's it's the specifically it's the moments when you guys look at me sometimes like you come over to the drums and like, you know, we just look at each other. It's like, oh, fuck yeah. Like, you know, those are the moments. That's my favorite times. So that's, that's fantastic. those are my memories for, personally. Thank you all but for I sharing like those. Too. <laughs> I cut you off, Decker. Can you say that again? I said, but I do like the mischief too. <laughs> of course. No, thank you for sharing those because, um, yeah, it is really powerful. I think um, on the on our tour with Steel Panther, I think one of my favorite memories was uh, being on the bus in Chicago. After the show, we were under the venue. Uh, for those who haven't been to the House of Blues in Chicago, you load in underneath the street. There's like a an underground area, and you go up like 300 stairs to get up to the House of Blues. So we had loaded out, the show was over, Steel Panther had loaded out, and then Michael Starr and Lexi came on the bus, and we all sat around passing a guitar around like in a campfire and jamming. Yeah, jamming songs. Yeah, and... that that was actually a really epic night, man. That was really cool. Yeah. That, that... was my favorite night from yeah. that tour, too. Yeah. I still talk to those guys like every single day, Michael and, uh, and Lexi. They're, yeah. They've become really good friends after that tour, yeah. Yeah, they were unbelievably cool i think uh for me doing a tour that was a dream combination you guys were all you know unbelievably nice and welcoming and then the steel panther guys were all just unbelievably awesome every single day it was we were really lucky i agree yep all right well we'll try to wrap this up here real quickly um talk a little bit about the new album um you've been quoted as saying you know you'd written 70 songs for that album uh, which is unreal. Uh, I I suggest we do a, a show where you play all seventy of those songs one night, and then I can just sit back at the soundboard and you know have a blast for probably like five hours. <laughs> but uh, tell what went into the new album. How did you end up picking the songs that got onto the album? You know, were there any hard decisions? Are there songs that you wish you had put on the album, or are you? What's your general? feeling towards the the darkness album which i think is awesome by the way thanks um yeah i'll go with i'll uh answer that one <sighs> well we did a lot of experimenting in the beginning um you know we 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 didn't really know what we wanted to do unlike never alone we pretty much had a good idea of how we wanted it to sound so we went in and delivered like maybe 20 songs and almost all of them made the record you know so uh, with this record, we wanted to really try to expand our ourselves and our creativity and try something different, try to find a unique sound and um, really explore new territory and see what's stuck. And it took us about 50 songs to realize the lane that we wanted to go in and what the message was. And, you know, the producer we wanted to use, which was Matt Good, who is incredible. And he definitely put his little stamp of signature on it. It's it's really unbelievable what he did. But um, I think that it wasn't until the very end that we ended up keeping almost every song that we did with Matt, except Straight Jacket and My Demon. Those are the only ones that made the cut from earlier on. Um, we did My Demon with uh, Scott Stevens, who did I Miss the Misery with Hailstorm. That's actually my favorite song on the album. Yeah, my he demon. loves My Demon. 
we're playing, I'm playing guitar on it now, but yeah, I mean, it, uh, it wasn't until the very end that we realized what we wanted to do. Um, and I, I think it just, we really wanted to explore and throw paint. Well, I, th I think it all stuck and it stuck well. Um, I'd like to ask one follow-up question before I let you guys go. So you mentioned the producer um, putting his stamp on it. What is the role of the producer in your albums? Like, are you, you know, bouncing ideas off of one another and he's making suggestions or do you really, how does that uh, process play out? It's kind of like. Tell him to do. <laughs> it's kind of like uh you as the sound guy it's like we give you something and then you take it and turn it into your own you know um so he he had a very big play in this with electronics and synths and stuff like that that he added to a very you know straightforward riff or something um he had a lot to do with this album but it just varies i mean Al merit's been pretty much writing up a storm for this next record because we want to get a little head start so it's coming out very interesting and um i think we want to put more guitar driven riff stuff in it that we missed a little more from never alone but yeah i think that every producer has it's almost like bringing another member into the band just like bringing a sound guy you're part of that live show you know and Steve, you are the fifth member of the band. You are the fifth <laughs> member. Um, uh, little secret. I don't whatever. know what I'm doing, so thank you. <laughs> well, what, whatever you don't know that you're doing is sounding good, so keep doing what you don't know what you're doing. Because <laughs> 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 uh, we are very, very lucky to have found you, and we absolutely love you. And, um, yeah, it was like an immediate you have to stay with us forever. You can't go anywhere. <laughs> and... Um, yeah. I mean, you've heard I held people hostage, so you can't leave ever. I did. Uh, I did hear kidnapped heart. Uh, yes. Yeah, and she's hey, got a mean right hook. Too, so watch out. <laughs> Decker said she's got a mean right hook, so watch out. Huh. <laughs> All right. Well, you guys have been unbelievably gracious with your time, um, especially doing this over Skype. I know Decker is out east right now uh, with his family and. Mixie, Merritt, and Randy are in Los Angeles. Um, so thank you for getting together via Skype. I'm glad all the technology worked out. Um, so thank you again for, for joining me today. Um, anything you want to mention real quickly before we call it quits here? Uh, go buy the record. Absolutely. And uh, actually, if you are listening to it on Spotify, please save it to your songs. Mm -hmm. Or Sorry, save it to your cell phone. Yep. Your playlist. Your playlist, yeah. But actually, if you can like actually literally download the song and save it on your phone, it really helps us out a lot. It's just support artists and musicians. Yeah. We all need it right now, you know. Yeah, definitely a tough time. So, um, all right. Well, let's put a wrap on this episode here. Uh, Mixie, Merritt, Randy, Decker, thank you guys so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for welcoming me, welcoming me into your circle and trusting me. I really appreciate that. I can't wait until we're touring again. Uh, I was so bummed when this last tour got delayed, but uh, hopefully things are a little bit more back to normal in November and we'll get out there and uh, rock people's socks off. Yeah. Hey, yeah. don't forget those festivals Actually, that are supposed to still happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
you're flying out to that. That's the, the one more thing I, I actually did want to mention is like even just sitting here with these guys, I can't Aww. wait to get back out there again, dude. Like, I miss I miss being on the road, just thinking of all like the arguments and the fun times <laughs> and everything. I can't wait <laughs> to to get my alone time away from you guys on the road. No, but I really miss go, miss being out there with you guys so much, man. I'm so, I'm so, I'm literally so bored. It's like to the window, to the wall, and then I might go down the hall. That's all I'm doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds I'm like a new, you didn't say the other line of that. <laughs> sounds like a song idea. Um, so I lied. Uh, we got to tell the story real quick about the uh, overflowing toilet and uh, in the RV when we were <laughs> when we were in Canada. Why? Why do we got to do that? <laughs> because the thing goes from getting inspected. <laughs> oh yeah, you can tell it. Who me? I'm not the one that overflowed it. You guys. I tell didn't it. either. I'll, uh, I'll You're the one who keeps peeing in it when you can't pee in it anymore. <laughs> I'll try to do it in a minute or less, but uh, this this was absolutely hilarious. So uh, we had entered into Canada from upstate New York, and it was like early December. It's it's cold. All of the truck stops, the RV, the waste dumps are all closed because everything's frozen frozen in upstate New York. So we're we're working our way through Canada, and the toilet is getting more full and more full and more full. <laughs> And so we make this rule, no using the toilet anymore until we can find the place to dump the, the waste tank. Well, another day goes by and we're driving around and every time we hit the gas, a little bit of pee splashes out of the toilet. And every time we hit the brakes, a little bit of pee splashes out of the toilet. But didn't, didn't it freeze at one point? Uh, I don't know. But I think at one point we stopped to drain it and it, it was frozen because we were in Canada. It was- I wouldn't yeah. doubt it. I do know Merritt's backpack uh, fell victim to the the pee splashing at some point. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. We all peed on Merritt's backpack. <laughs> yeah, Merritt, the toilet. Mostly me. It really wasn't full. We just peed on your backpack. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> so we finally, we're coming back into the United States, and it's like four in the morning, and Alan, our, our driver, is from Scotland, but he's he's actually, you know, living in the U.S., and he's, you know, nationalized, and... And uh, we pull up to the um, the checkpoint, and there's a there's a booth with a guard, and it's like four in the morning, and everybody's asleep on the bus, and we don't have our passports out and ready, and so we pull up to the the booth, and the first thing they ask you is, um, where are you coming from, and where are you from, and and Alan goes, oh, in this really thick uh, Scottish accent that I will not do justice for, he goes, oh, we're coming from a rock show, and we're going to wherever we were going. And the guy goes, oh, okay, where are you from? And he goes, well, I'm from Boise, Idaho. And the guard looks at him like, sure you are, pal. Uh, that is not a Boise accent. So he tells us, go up, you're going to get searched, pull up to the, the station. So we pull up to the station. We all get off the bus. They are not happy people at that station at 4.30 in the morning. And we've got the, the RV locked. And uh, they're like, we're going to go into the RV. And uh, so who's got the keys? And Alan's got the keys as the driver. And he goes, I best be warning you, the bus smells like righteous pee in this really heavy (laughs) Scottish accent. And the guy's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. And he walks out and you see him like snap his gloves onto his hands, reach for the door of the RV. He takes like one step into it. He there, turns there, was, there was flies flying around inside the RV. Circling <laughs> the piss. He takes one step in, he turns around, he walks out, and he's like, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think we drove like another six hours trying to find a place just to dump that tank. And by some stroke of luck, we found a camper sales place that would allow us to dump. And they were like, 
well, you know, it's going to be $12 to empty the tank. And we're like, it could be $1,200. Like, please <laughs> just let us do it. <laughs> All right. Uh, I took, I, I kept you guys way too long, but that story uh, cracked me up. So I wanted to make sure we shared it. <laughs> <laughs> all right man all right it was great to see all of you um thank love you again you, Steve. love you too i'll see you guys uh hopefully very soon and uh until yeah. then stay safe stay health stay healthy right. decker wash your hands all right they're <laughs> <laughs> <right>. clean <laughs> love you guys love you bye bye, bye. bye guys and that's a wrap on today's show I hope that you found it equal parts entertaining and informative. This show is recorded on an Allen & Heath D-Live system with Sure microphones and Waves tracks live. I use Skype, FaceTime, and Facebook Messenger to meet with my guests, so the occasional robot voice is to be expected. Thanks again to Merrick Goodwin for the awesome show music and to you for listening. Be sure to visit the Mixmasters website at www.mixmasterspodcast.com. Subscribe to the podcast and tell a friend. Mixmasters can also be found on Facebook and Instagram at Mixmasters Podcast. That's all one word. Give a like, follow us, and never miss out on new episodes. 